Hi, my name is Haley Grove and welcome to Dear Dance. I'm a professional dancer living in New York City and I'm searching for balance in and out of the studio. I think experiencing your life and nurturing all your creative passions ultimately enhances a dance career. So I'm speaking to inspiring performers and industry professionals about their relationship with dance and their other passions outside of the performing arts world. I'm connecting with dancers who decorate cookies, develop their own film, build websites, make candles, teach fitness, write poetry, and people who are changing the fabric of our industry, all while dancing their butts off professionally. I'm on a mission to discover the keys to a long creative career. So let's take this journey together, advancing our dance careers, expanding our creativity, and experiencing all the joy this life has to offer. Hi guys, just jumping in before the episode. Um, This episode was recorded in February 2022, so a while ago, wow. Um, And it was such a pleasure listening back to this episode and editing. Um, Aiden speaks so eloquently about so many different things and I learned so much uh, during this interview. I think you guys are going to really love it. He talks a lot about his journey with dance, how he started and how he got to where he is and um, his videography and his film photography. Um, and he also talks a lot about NFTs, which is something that I'm still trying to wrap my head around and he's got a pretty good grasp on. Um, and yeah, his, his love for the earth. And I think this, it's really, I say this a lot, but it's one of my absolutely favorite, favorite episodes. Um, so I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. And yeah, the only other thing I'm going to say is I say the word like maybe 750 times and so I just wanted to apologize. I tried to edit it out, but I really get those likes right connected to my other words. So we're growing, we're learning, we're working on that for future episodes. Um, And maybe you wouldn't have noticed if I didn't just bring it up and now you're going to hear it a million times. So apologies for that. Uh, But let's get into the episode. No more time to waste. Here we go. Hello everyone. Welcome back to Dear Dance. My name is Haley. If this is your first time watching, thanks for being here. Um, I am so, so excited to have my friend Aiden Gibney on the show today. He is an absolutely insane dancer, an insane photographer, videographer. He's getting into NFTs. He's like building communities and stuff and I don't even know what this web thing is I'm so excited to ask so many questions about this but let me like give you a little read of his bio because it's absolutely insane like when I tell you insane like it's because I'm at a loss for words because everything he does is so professional and so high caliber like you need if you don't know him you need to check him out but let me read you a little bit of this bio for you. Okay, so Aiden Gibney is a New York City-based filmmaker and director currently working as director with Coming of Age and Pavilia NYC. I got really nervous about saying that, so hopefully I did it right. As one of New York City's premier visual artists, Aiden is a lead photographer and filmmaker at the award-winning off-Broadway show Beyond Babel. Aiden has worked in partnership with some of the entertainment industry's best, including Casey Neistat's 
368, 368, wow, numbers, uh, David Dobrik, Art Basil, B&H, Adobe, EA, and more. His works have been published throughout a wide range of articles ranging from Art News Magazine to Dance Magazine and Dance Spirit Magazine. Recent films include Rear View, which is coming in or was in 2021. I keep forgetting it's 2022. Whoa. Um, <laughs> Emox music video, Behind Babel, and Rooted Kings, just to name a few. Like, seriously, you need to check him out. Everything he does is so stunning. Like, I'm so excited to talk with him. He has danced for K-pop's BTS. He's danced in Ian Eastwood's Young Lions, Shinza the Collective, and so much more so cool um okay let's bring him in with some applause let me get it going here <laughs> yay What's i up? was able to read kind of welcome <laughs> <laughs> hello hello thank you i'm for very being happy to here. be here thanks for <laughs> hyping me up i'm like yo thank you <laughs> oh you're I appreciate like all the love i real. mean insane in the best way not like as a crazy person but you really are like so inspirational so talented so i'm so honored to have you here i would love to know a little bit about your journey with dance and like your training how you started getting into dance um because you've had a really cool journey and done a lot of really cool things at a very young age <laughs> It started with with family and me seeing my sister, uh, my older sister, who is unfortunately no longer a dancer, but still a very talented artist. And uh, she can do just about anything. But I saw her dancing at a convention um, and I was like not even into anything really that artistic at this point in my life, I guess. I mean, I was an artistic person, but I didn't really know where I wanted to go with it. And I just saw her dancing at this convention. I was just sitting there with my parents, you know, I'm the little kid in the corner at the convention that's just like not even involved, but is just there. And I don't know what it was, but it was just mesmerizing to me, like so mesmerizing watching all these people, all these kids just dance and having so much fun. And I, immediately I was like, I want to do this. Like I literally was like, mom dad like i want to do this i want to dance put me in hip-hop class right how old were you when you first like I got was... into that class so yeah i was eight years old um when i first started dancing and it pretty quickly just had me falling in love with um with everything and i think i think you know being very honest and open like i think that i never really felt at home in the the places that i you know were at, as a kid, uh, like I felt home at home. I mean, like uh, at school and, you know, playing sports and whatever other activities I was doing, I never really felt at home. And when I first got into dance, I immediately felt at home. And so I wanted to dive into it even more. And so after just, you know, I think even just a half a year of doing hip hop classes, I was like, I want to do it all. And so I joined you know, the, the company at the studio in Jersey and um, started training immediately, like when I was nine, eight or nine in every style. So, you know, I started from the bare bones, from ballet, from, you know, jazz technique, from tap technique, from hip hop technique, musical theater technique, 
literally just all of the technique at like the most base level to, to really kind of, you know, get that, that solid training. And I'm so grateful that I was able to do that for, you know, many years of my life um, and have such a great time doing it. And, you know, I was a convention kid growing up, like in the classic dance environment. Um, and I'm so grateful for it. You know, like it, I really am. It was uh, such a great, great experience to have as a kid being put into all of these just new situations uh, at such a young age, right? Like at 10 years old, I'm, I'm flying around the country, like going to conventions and dancing. You know, I wasn't anything crazy, but like, you know, I had the cute factor working with me, working for me. So I, I guess I could like, you know, win an award here, here or there. Um, but like, yeah, like I, I think that that's kind of like what my foundation is as a dancer. It is just the classic technical route where you're really just learning everything um, and all the right things. Right. And when I say right things, I mean, there's no right way to be a dancer. But when I say right, I just mean like, you know, how to properly lock and pop or how to properly, you know, do ballet technique or tap technique, like all the, you know, the bare bones so that it's actually in my body. Um, and that muscle memory is there. And so from there, I kind of just started branching out. I mean, you know, after a few years, probably, you know, around my teenage years, 14, 15, I started realizing I wanted to be more artistic with it, right? Like I wanted to take more ownership over my my artistic voice as opposed to, you know, continuing with, with the training schedule that I once had. So I decided to start training in the city with different choreographers, you know, such as Emily Greenwell and Hayden Frederick um, and like just all these great contemporary teachers. And I'd never been exposed to contemporary at all. This was just brand new to me. And it was, it just opened a whole door and made me fall in love with dance in an all new way. Um, and I'm so grateful for all the, you know, incredible educators that have taught me so many things um, about my own relationship with dance as well. And, you know, going from there, you know, not to drag it on too long, I just kind of slowly but surely just started training in the city with, with different choreographers and made my way, you know, out to LA a few times and, you know, continued around the whole convention world for many years, the whole Pulse, you know, world, all that. Um, and I think this is where it kind of gets interesting when it comes to my relationship with dance is because after all of this, you know, consistent training for what, 10, 12 years straight, I kind of just started falling out of love with it. Right. I started like not wanting to put all my time into it because I, I was doing so many other things at, at this point, which, you know, we can also talk about, but I think that for me, it, it just didn't really give me really make any sense for me to commit all my time to this training, you know, life that I had really like been so used to. Um, so I kind of slowed it down and just involved myself in other things. And amidst that process, I guess I lost or realized for the first time that I might not have been dancing, you know, for all the right reasons. There's definitely right reasons for myself that I've been a dancer all my life, but there's, there's always going to be discrepancies because you know, me being seven years old, eight years old, and deciding I want to commit to dance um, doesn't take into account the emotional state that, you know, my brain is in as a 22-year-old person, right? So it, it's it's not all cut and dry. And I think for a lot of dancers, uh, there's kind of the stigma of involving dance in our life in a way where we're constantly working and pursuing and, and trying to get better and better and better and better. But 
there comes a point where you have to realize that dance is not a competition. It's not about being the best. It's it literally solely stems from the feeling that it gives you um, culturally and and you know throughout the whole entire history of of humanity and the world and anybody or anything that has ever danced. It's it's solely because of the feeling that it gives you and making sure that you are actually in love with that feeling is really important if you want to be a dancer because if you're not or you haven't felt it yet or you haven't really like that's not the reason that you're doing what you're doing then you're gonna find yourself in some tough positions where you're like is this really what i should be working hard towards and so yeah i I kind of took some time and was like all right let me let me just build life let me just be learn as much as i can about myself about the world around me and just grow and then not really worry about dance too much. It's still going to be involved in my life, but I didn't want to make it everything. And I think that's kind of where everything that I'm involved in now kind of has stemmed from is, you know, me taking a break or a step away. But the great thing is, you know, I, coming full circle after taking that step away, it allowed me to fall in love with dance, like for real. Like for the for the first time, I was actually fully in love with it. And I do it when I do it because I need it. Like it is the feeling that it gives me is what I'm chasing as opposed to chasing getting better or, or looking better for others. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, that's kind of like short synopsis of my dance journey and where I'm at now and how I feel about dance right now is that I'm in love with it more than I ever have in my whole life, yet I dance less than I ever have in my whole life. Um, And so, yeah, just a little Mm. interesting, interesting thing there. I think that is so, so interesting. And it's so true, like, thinking back to why you started dance, what, what drew you to that? And it is really hard when you're, like, pushing, like, dancers have to work so hard, and it's so often that we are un- represented and underpaid and underappreciated and the last person on the call or the the credit list if we even make it there like not even tagged on Instagram like it feels sometimes like this constant fight and it's so easy to forget why you even started in the first place why do you love it and like I think that this whole situation that we've been in and like this forced break and and even just like before the pandemic really seeing like I feel like everyone was very much like at this like shaking tipping point of just like hectic energy at least like in the New York community that I was involved in and it felt very much like everyone was trying to to be the same type of dancer because that's what success is and we want to be successful and we want to be real dancers and get the jobs and do the things but at the end of the day what makes you your truest dancing self and like your best dancer is knowing yourself and connecting to the love that you have and what you can do that makes your dancing unique and so I think taking a break and finding that and like exploring all your other passions is ultimately going to make you the dancer that you need to be for yourself. And I love that yeah. so much. Yeah. And also like just a quick little side note, I think that some dancers may, may think or hear, you know, what we're saying about skill is not the end all be all. And they might say, okay, well then how do I get the job? Right. Because the best dancers are the ones getting the job. But then, you know, I would argue that those jobs actually aren't attractive to me. Most of the jobs that dancers are actually doing 
into today's world and today's entertainment industry are not actually that attractive to to me or I don't think should be attractive to most dancers because they're not the they're not the medium of exchange. They're just being used a lot of the times as an advertising tool, right? And so is that really what we want to chase? Do we really want to chase helping someone else, like a corporate company, just sell a product? I mean, I'm not saying that's wrong. By no means is it wrong. There's still a market for it. And it's still a very, very beautiful part of dancing is the fact that we can attach it to things that don't have any relation to dance, right? And, you know, I'm not negating that aspect of the industry. But what I am saying is that it should not be the end all be all, right? The end all be all for us should be actually using dance as a medium of exchange as opposed to another product, right? Mm. So, you know, for me, I think that that's going to happen when I am so in tune with myself and my voice that it's so different from everyone else that other people have no reason but to go to me because that's what they want particularly. And then Haley, when you work on your voice and the, you know, the, the particular, the particularity of your voice is going to attract another set of people. Right. Um, and, and I think that that to me is really like the end goal as a dancer is to be able to exchange dance as a medium of ex- of sale, right? Where I can actually have monetary gain from it and support myself and live my life via someone supporting my dancing solely and not, you know, a skincare product, <laughs> right? <laughs> that that yes. I just got a one-time payment for, right? It's like, So that's what I would argue to those that say skill is the most important thing because, yeah, it might get you that job and it might get you a really good agent. And in the audition, you might look really good. But I think that the question should go back to why do you want that job in the first place? Not, oh, I need, you know, I need a good job. I need I need to book this gig. I need to win this audition. So that's kind of that's kind of uh, my thought process on that. And that has kind of led me into everything that I'm working on now. Or what I always have been working on, you know, with visual arts and photography and film is, you know, it drives from a passion of how can I present dance in a different way, in a new way, or just a way that is consumable, right? And so I can do that through visual arts, um, such as photography and film. So that's kind of, you know, where that kind of comes into the picture for me. Uh, But yeah. So cool. Okay, well, let's get into our first game because there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk to you about um, and that is we just hinted at. So let's get into my little <laughs> would you <Let's> rather. <laughs> so for the people watching live or the people uh, watching the replay, feel free to let us know what you would pick. If you're listening to the audio version of this, you could DM us if you want uh, to tell us what you would pick for this. So. Let's see. Would you rather have an alarm go off each time you fall asleep or fight off a horse-sized swan every time you go to the bathroom? Wow. A (laughs) horse-sized swan. So it's like a very large swan. Question though. Like if, if I go to sleep and then the alarm goes off, if I go back to sleep, will it go off again? (laughs) I think it's just like, I don't know if that means like you never sleep. I think right, it might am be, I like, unless you get used or, to it, I don't know. Right, actually, yeah, wait, I think I'd rather have the alarm because I, yeah. I'm confident. Are you a heavy sleeper? After, I am and I 
am not, but I also know that I don't need that much sleep to function. So, I mean, I do like, don't get me wrong. Sleep is super important. <laughs> and guys get your, get your, what is it? Eight hours, seven hours, six Something hours. Something like what that. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I like, like I think it's, range. I think it's, a, yeah, <laughs> I think it's probably around eight hours um, is like, you know, a very healthy amount of sleep to get. Um, so still get your eight hours, but yeah, I'd say, um, I'd say I could probably get used to the alarm and that's why I would pick the alarm because a horse sized swan. Swans yeah. are really vicious too. Yeah. Like, they're dangerous. They're I've seen, really like, intense. They like give people like, black eyes and Gilmore girls. Well, no, I haven't. You that's fought a an swan? Exaggeration. No, I have not. I, that's <laughs> totally an exaggeration, but I've been close to one that was not happy and it yeah. was a scary experience. Yeah. 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 So that's my answer. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> Wait, okay. what about you? Do you answer it or no? I mean, I can answer it. I don't know. Yeah, like, what, what would you do? I don't really feel confident in my swan fighting abilities. Yeah. So I think yeah. I would have to deal with the alarm. And like, it doesn't have yeah, to be a move. bad alarm. Like, my alarm on my phone is like, do, 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 dee, yeah. do, do, do. So if anything, you know? I can like set it to like rain sounds and like it'll just make me go to sleep even more. There you go. Genius. Genius. <laughs> Okay, next one. Would you rather feel like you're sitting on pins every time you sit down or have to use a stranger's toothbrush to clean your teeth? Always use a stranger's toothbrush to clean your teeth. I would probably honestly do the stranger's toothbrush because to be honest, like I could just, you know, I wouldn't like if it wasn't like clean, like you could see and like does that you like, could do, like a cleansing it? yeah i guess like you could disinfect it every time you use yeah. it and think about that yeah i could just kind of like make sure that it's that it's like not like visibly dirty and like at that point i just have to use mouthwash afterwards yeah <laughs> so that i guess I think, yeah I, that, think that's I might pick the, the pins, pins sounds sounds painful yeah you know? but if it's like it's also so it might be free acupuncture pins. right True. Yeah, yeah, I think Free I would pick the pens. Every time you sit down. <laughs> yeah, you I think I think I would pick the pens. Okay, <laughs> last one. Would you rather never be able to open your mouth or have fingers for toes? Fingers for toes. Yeah. 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 I like talking. <laughs> yeah. And eating. And right, I like eating. That's. I breathe that's through my great. mouth a lot, so yeah, probably not great. But yeah, like when you dance, you know, all, all the time. Yeah. Right. I so don't know yeah, how to breathe through one. my nose. Yeah. That's an easy one. Yeah. I kind of already <laughs> have fingers for toes. I was at the Met the other day and all of the Egyptian sculptures have super long toes. So like, I was like, yo, did like the human body evolve since then? And like, you know, obviously we, we mutate, but I'm wondering if in ancient Egypt, you know, maybe because of the terrain that, you know, that particular race developed in maybe they maybe. have fingers I for need toes to do some research on that That's super long toes like it's it's real stuff Ooh, crazy maybe i'm like secretly <laughs> an egyptian pharaoh or something yeah you never know yeah oh, there you go very cool <laughs> amazing well let's get into your passions outside of dance which also mm. kind of tie into dance but i have so many questions about this let's start with film and photography because like your eye and your vision it's it's so beautiful the stuff you create how did you even like what was the first time you picked up a camera yeah so honestly I vividly remember the first time I used a camera um I was in France actually I think I was like 14 um I was with my family and we were like 
driving through like the country in France. This was disclaim like this was my only time in France. I'm not like a, it's not like I'm like <laughs> you're not like a French you know, uh yeah. sum- summer in France. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I'm not in all the countries all the time. Like people are always like where are you now? I'm like I'm still in New York at my apartment. <laughs> um but yeah, so I was in France. We were like driving in this um like this country road and there were just all these hay bales that were like perfectly like composed um from the angle we were driving and my dad had a camera and he was always into just like taking pictures when we were traveling or for family he even you know he has a creative mind of his own he used to edit together like videos for my dance studio so i i guess i kind of have you know a little bit of the passion coming from there but so i picked up the camera like and i just took this picture of the hay bales and i don't know why but in that moment i was just like wait i love this like and why have i even never tried it it was just like the way they were composed everything i just felt so connected to like i just captured this moment that i otherwise might have forgotten or might have you know i would have not been able to feel the essence of it and i can still look at that photo that i just randomly snapped with like no skill of cameras it was just simply like hey I want to capture this moment. I want to capture the essence of it. And I think from there, I just kind of like dove into it alongside dance, Um, you know, was like, okay, I want to get a camera, you know, got my first camera, started small, started with a cheap camera, um, like just using my sister's old camera, uh, which was like this tiny Canon DSLR um, and just slowly but surely made my way up. Uh, it, it's a, it was a long process of just actually teaching myself as much as I possibly could about it. Um, and I think that it's been probably, wow, it's been like seven years now of me doing like camera stuff. Um, and I kind of already edited a little bit before that. Like I knew how some editing programs worked. Um, but yeah, I, I pretty much went into it with no prior technical knowledge. And so YouTube University was my best friend. And I just fell in love with it. I think I started realizing pretty quickly, oh, wait, I can like make money from this. I can support myself, you know, with this. Um, and that first step for me was really, um, I was actually filming a a video for my high school football team when I was like a freshman. (laughs) And that was like the first client gig I ever did. Um, I think I got paid like 500 bucks, even though I did like a crazy amount of work. Like it was like a whole, it was like a whole summer's worth of work, like filming multiple games. Like, but I was like 500 bucks. What? Like, this is amazing. Um, I did never thought I could make this money like before. Um, And, you know, it wasn't the money that like, drove me to want to do it obviously like it started with just capturing the essence but you know as someone who grew up in a town that is so so strict with their social standards about like yo you're gonna go to college you're gonna get a good job and you're gonna make a lot of money so that you can get a great house and raise a family and be secure for the rest of your life i was all amidst that so for me to find something else that could like potentially support me was a big deal because it was one avenue away from oh let me just go to college and be i don't know like a lawyer right so i was like wait this is great let me try it out let me let me just explore this because this might actually be a way for me to do something that i love 
and still not let everyone down. <laughs> yeah, and um, I mean, around the yeah. time that you were starting to get into photography, you actually like finished high school on your own, right? So yeah, how did that yeah, work? Yeah. And then you had even more time to be creative and to like actually follow your passions. That is so cool. How how did that all happen? Yeah, so I, I really wanted to, to move to New York because um, I lived in Jersey. I grew up in Jersey. And um, I, I mean, I spent most of my time in New York, but I really wanted to actually live there. And so I think, um, you know, when I was around 15, 16, actually 16. Uh, yeah, when I was 16, I kind of realized that um, there's other ways for me to go about, you know, pursuing this goal. I felt really disconnected with the community I was a part of at home with school and all the people. And I just really wanted change. And I was getting a lot of opportunities, potential opportunities, you know, which would involve me traveling, um, which would involve me having to, you know, miss school, which would involve me having to do things on my own time. But my school was so strict with their attendance policy. It was like, if you missed, I don't remember the exact number, but it was probably around if you missed 10 days, even if there were sick days, like, even if they were sick days, or even if they're, you know, you pursuing your career path, you know, you are viable to completely lose credit for that semester. And so it's wow. like, okay, well, if I want to go on a two week trip to LA, that's five school days that I miss. Um, I can't go to like, you're not going to give me my degree. So I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, I was I was getting the opportunity to work with Ian, Ian Eastwood in L.A. I was getting the opportunity to shoot a lot of videos in New York that were shot during the day. Um, you know, I, I was getting, you know, also the opportunities to potentially teach at studios like amidst, uh, you know, Jersey to try and start, you know, making some extra money that way so I could move out. And I just wasn't going to have time for this with the constraints that my school kind of had. Um, and so, yeah. I took the leap of faith and convinced my parents to let me do online school, which was not an easy task, <laughs> but you know, they support me and they love me. And I made it known that this is what I wanted and why I wanted it. And that's what I did. And, you know, I graduated, I, I got like decent worked grades. out I, pretty yeah. well for you. I feel yeah. like the path yeah, like, you went down was like probably the right one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it just gave me time. I think time is the most valuable thing. Um, ever <laughs> like there's yeah. never enough time uh fuck money sorry first excuse my <laughs> language okay. we'll but like explicit. for real it's like it's <laughs> like time is is the most important thing to me um and it's the most valuable thing that you can give to someone uh sorry if you hear the, the new york sirens <laughs> oh yeah uh, i had some <laughs> earlier it's always it's yeah. always in the background but that i mean it proves <laughs> you made it to new york you've been living here yes. and you've been doing so many cool things with film i mean not only your own projects with dance and everything but you've worked with a lot of really cool people how did you get involved in like filming for beyond babble and just like yeah. all of these cool dance projects and non-dance projects yeah so, I mean, it's all about connections, right? Like, it, it really is. It's just about making the right friends uh, at the right time. Um, and the extra layer to that, which I think a lot of people, what they kind of, uh, you know, hit a wall with, um, is actually supplying something that's in demand, right? Uh, because let's be honest, in the economy that we live in, 
uh, it's all supply and demand. If somebody wants something and it's in front of them, if it's consumable, they're going to consume it. Um, and for me, that's a very basic concept that I try to apply to everything that I do. And I think it's kind of gotten me, you know, the, the great collaborations that I've been able to take part in is, is me literally going to someone um, and saying, hey, I have something you need and you need it and I do it good and I'll show you that I'll do it good. Here's proof. So, yeah, let me do it. And and while being a dancer at the same time, I meet a lot of people that also potentially need my services. And so I'm very open about letting people know, look, like, if you need this, I can do it. Um, and I'm also very, very specific about targeting those who might need it. Um, you know, I think that you can be strategic without being technically business oriented um, and where you might be sacrificing any morals. And what I mean by that is just for example, um, you know, that this one particular artist who I've worked with, uh, Amok, whose music is absolutely incredible, um, you know, just to, to kind of explain the path in which I was able to collaborate with his music um, was me and another dancer just filmed a freestyle video and we loved his song so much and we just filmed it and we just we just released it um but we decided also that that was also a great choice of a song because he didn't have any dancers involved in his network right and he also had a very great visual arts team and so i was like wait i'm a visual artist here's a dancer i can you know, explore my visual arts alongside this dance and present something in front of these people that they might be interested in and might, um, you know, might actually be attractive to them because they don't have it yet. <laughs> and so by doing that, I was able to connect with, with his manager at the time via just this simple video because I sent it to him and was just like, hey, take a look. And that's all it took. Um, wow. You know, I gave, I gave someone something that they needed at the right time um and it worked out uh because and it wasn't it wasn't you know an accident but it also was it was an accident but it also was kind of on purpose <laughs> you connected to it and it meant something to you and you wanted to share it yeah. so it came off it's so authentic and like artists collaborating and sharing and creating together like that is the most yes. powerful connection that you can have. So you do a really great job as an outsider who sees what you do, like not being scared to share your voice. And I think that that's really hard, especially from a lot of dancers that I've talked with, like how we talked about before, you know, there is this kind of like, we are the the product that you're we're selling your yeah. product and we are the perfect little thing and like yeah. so often once you start to delve into the professional world of dance dancers are being used as a tool for something yeah. else and it's really hard to like switch back and to connect into like what is my voice what is what I want to create what is my art and yeah. it's really scary to like put that out there and to like have this imposter syndrome of like, well, yeah. I haven't done this, so maybe I, I, I'm not ready to, to make my own choreography or I, I, I don't have an agent, I don't have this. Maybe like, like what will people think if I like make my own concept video? But it's, it's something that yeah. I, I think that you do such a great job of 
capturing dancers and like helping them share their authentic self and it's just like so like I don't know what the right word is like when I watch the stuff that you've created it has your voice but you do such a great job of like sharing the person who you're working with in such an honest way and I think that 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 can get like I'm I I have so many things that are in my head right now but like (laughs) I feel like capturing dance on film and and because there is like that lens between it so like finding a way to like get through that that literal block like there's a literal glass thing that's between the dance and like that takes a lot of skill to like both as a dancer and as someone who captures dance to like make it seem like that's not there and so i I think think you do a great job yeah and i I was wondering like what have you learned as a dancer from being behind the camera how has that changed like your relationship with dance and like has that helped you grow as a dancer and like vice versa like what has that those two skills that you have how have they helped together to help you grow I guess that's like my long-winded question (laughs) they totally grow in tandem I mean it's all it's all the same like I think movement art is how I like to categorize everything that I do. And I think dance falls within that term. Um, And so uh, one of the most important things about capturing dance on camera is, you know, to remember that dance is a performance art. Dance is typically consumed in person, uh, in history, you know, just in in the past, you know, 0.0001% of human history hasn't been consumed digitally. Right. And so to me, the most important part that, you know, a cinematographer should function uh, in relation to dance is to make it seem like they're not there, is to make it seem like it is not captured by a cinematographer or a videographer. It is not captured by a camera, but rather you are there with this dancer in person, experiencing Mm -hmm. it with them. So if if the if the movement of the camera is invisible um to the viewer in the sense that it's not necessarily intrusive um i believe that is you know the epitome of what uh capturing dance can be effective through but that's also a very broad term um so or or that's a very broad way of putting it i think there's many different ways to present dance um you know via a camera but to me that's what's taught me the most about dance is approaching it from the the idea of this dance is already functional on its own and is already communicative on its own. Now, how can I use a camera to accentuate that feeling as opposed to, you know, make my camera movement look like, you know, the, the center of attention. I want the dance to be center of attention, but for the camera movement to make the dancing more interpretable for the camera movement to make the dancing more understandable as if you were actually there in person. Um, And I think for me, that's taught me a lot about dance. It's taught me, you know, through filming these people, like about their styles. There's so much you can learn from just watching somebody. Like that's where most of, you know, the knowledge you get as a dancer comes from is just from watching other dancers and actually watching with intention. And when I'm shooting it, I have no choice but to watch it with intention because I have to literally sit there and be like, okay, how can I communicate what I'm seeing in front of me to everyone else that is going to watch this video in the future? Um, And 
that is such a big learning process for me. Um, and everyone who I work with, I learned so much from so much. I, I can't even describe it in words. Um, and just by watching and by talking to them, of course, but mm. watching them and just and capturing them and then spending hours on end watching them again <laughs> as I'm editing it and actually deciding how to piece it together. Um, you know, the knowledge that I gained from that is unimaginable. And I'm, and it's like, just goes to show how powerful dance can be. Yeah, I hope that kind of answered the question. Yeah, no, 100%. I actually, I just saw at Lincoln Center, it was like the 50th Dance on Film Festival, like 50th anniversary. Oh, really? And it was like so cool. And I didn't even know that this existed, but someone yeah, I know I didn't, from yeah. someone, I, I'll send you the information for it, but I, I talked about it yeah. a little bit on like a mini episode um, that I did. But it's just so cool to see I love I love both sides of dance. Like I love the, the the on stage in person like being able to like really connect with them. But there's something so yeah. special about film where like you can capture just like the slightest finger movement and like really direct someone's eye yes. to sit like I don't know, dance on film is something that yeah. is just so magical to me. So and, and the way that you <laughs> capture it is just so fascinating. So I Thank just you. love hearing all of your you. your behind yeah. the scene takes of that and and something that you've been doing now even like expanding on that mm-hmm. which I'm still like very confused about but very intrigued <laughs> is this whole NFT world and like yes. creating video dance NFTs and all there's like so so much to this so like yeah, there's a lot. without taking because <laughs> this could be a whole three-hour podcast and yeah, you, you actually do have like an amazing group of people that you connect with that will will plug on the is it the twitter space is that what it's called mm-hmm. is that yes there's twitter like spaces. a cool yes. it's like um if anyone knows clubhouse it's like similar to that and it happens on thursdays tomorrow there's one um mm-hmm. so my first question for anyone because you did a great job of like concisely explaining it through dm one day on instagram but like for anyone who doesn't know which is a lot of people what the heck is an nft like what even is that and then how is dance potentially uh gonna be involved and is involved (laughs) so um first things first i think before i kind of like dive into to why it's important is one the media really likes to report on things that are consumable and attractive and catch people's attention and make them feel things right and so all i'll say is that the public stigma for what nfts are come from media outlets who report things that are consumable and drama based right so a lot of people's uh first impression of nfts is negative because they are used to seeing things that are negative about it because that's what garners the most views and the most attention. And it just so happens to be that there's a whole underground, uh, you know, art-driven, morally-driven movement that is also going on amidst uh, this technology that never gets media attention. So that's just something I'll start it off with. That's the community that I am particularly involved in. So firstly, the art form of dance 
Sorry, I have some notes here too. The no, art form I of love dance. it. I'm like, <laughs> my face is like hurting from smiling. Yeah. So I'm like focused. But <laughs> if I look focused and frowning, it's because I'm just like consuming yeah, everything you say. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the art form of dance is leveraged always, like we spoke about before, by different companies, different you know organizations in society to sell another product. To me, that is detrimental and that should not be a standard that we accept as an artist um you know as a, as someone who prides themselves on uh dancing because it makes me feel good and not because i want to make a living by from it um it makes no sense for that precious moment to be used to sell and advertise more other products that have nothing to do with the art form um obviously culture is huge and dance can be attached to these companies and influence culture. And I think that's a great thing. But I, like I said before, I don't think it should be the end all be all. And rather, I'm more attracted to selling dance as a product itself. Um, so artists and their work has kind of become undervalued. And, you know, it's been an undervalued commodity because they're not the source of income. You know, when you work on a commercial, you're not the source of income as a dancer, not even close, right? Uh, the product is the source of income. So, there's no reason that the person hiring you should be giving you overwhelming levels of respect because you have nothing to do with what's making, you know, this happen. You're just a means to push it forward and advertise it better. Right. So, you know, that's when I kind of talked, whenever I talk to dancers, I kind of say, Hey guys, look like you can't actually expect these corporate companies to respect you. Right. Like you can ask for it, but you're not giving them anything. You're just giving them, you're giving them dance, but they, how are they supposed to know how valuable dance is? They're not dancers, right? They don't know that feeling. They don't know how important it is. So they're not going to respect you. And that's natural because you're not the source of income and they're only concerned about money. So that's why dance is undervalued, right? Um, and it's become watered down, right? It's become, it's become under leveraged. Um, and it's just very sad to see. Um, so for me, you know, I started this project uh, entitled Earthbound, which is I started it alongside, you know, other creatives in the dance space. It's, it's a collective of minds, um, like, to be honest, of so many different people and so many different opinions. But its whole intention is to find a new way to present dance, um, find a way to present it in a way where it can be the medium of exchange, where it can be, you know, something that's collected the same way a painter can sell their painting to be collected, right? Why should they be any different? You know, obviously we have limitations. If somebody's dancing in person, you can't just take that and sell it as like a physical piece. It's not tangible, right? It's a performance. Um, so that's natural, but it, that's a scalability issue. That's a big scalability issue. If you want to do a live show, you have to pay for so many overhead costs in order to make it happen, right? So your limitations are just endless. It's like everything is working against you as a dancer. So why not look for a new way to sell it that hasn't been done before? Um, and so it just so happens to be that NFT technology uh, actually allows you to prove ownership over a digital asset. Now, how that all works is very complicated, <laughs> very, very complicated. And there's a lot of details to it. And I explain these details in an article that, you know, Earthbound has released um that is actually posted on my instagram there's like a there's like a little graphic on my instagram about it and it, there's also a link on my instagram to earthbound which also has that article linked in the bio 
Um, and this article goes into more detail, but the basics are it lets you prove ownership over a digital asset. And what that means is you can prove ownership over a dance video or a photo of a dancer or anything involving a dancer that is digital, whether it's 3D captured movement, whether it is, you know, I don't know, like it could be anything. It doesn't even need to be a real dancer. It could be a visual like, you know, experiment where the dancer is like actually just wind. <laughs> like, I don't wow. know, like it could be anything <laughs> like the, the possibilities are endless, right? Confined within a digital asset can be just about any visual that you put your mind to. Um, and to me, that is invaluable because for the first time ever in history of anything, <laughs> as far as we know, dance can be sold as a product, as an asset, as itself. Like, mm. like that is not typically something that would happen other than, you know, a live show. Uh, but like we mentioned, a live show has big scalability issues. If you could sell dance as a product without any overhead, the business opportunities are endless. Um, and it doesn't devalue the dance because it's actually an asset that holds value, right? The same way when you buy a painter from a very you know famous painter, that asset holds value from the reputation of that painter, right? When you buy a Pablo Picasso piece, Pablo Picasso has a certain reputation that is associated with that piece and justifies its price tag, okay? So if I sold a Pablo Picasso painting for $200,000, when I initially bought it for $100,000, I'm making $100,000 profit for just simply believing in that artist and investing in them, right? Mm -hmm. So it's almost as if, you know, a dancer for the first time can go public and do an IPO and say, hey guys, buy my shares, invest in me, because if you believe in me, these shares that hold value in relation to my reputation will go up. So you will be investing in me and in turn your asset as I progress in my life and my career becomes more fruitful, your asset will also appreciate. And mm -hmm. you could sell it at any point in time the same way that you can sell your house that holds value. There's a lot of different arguments um, about this topic, and there's a lot of there's a lot of little nitty gritty things that go on amidst it that need to be figured out um, in order to do it in the most you know morally correct way. But I believe the value that we're presented with this technology is incomparable to anything that a dancer has ever had, because for the first time they can actually say. I'm the source of profit, okay? Mm. They can actually go to a musician, which I have actually done. This is not just a concept. So cool. This is real. You can actually go to a musician and say, hey, I love your music. Let me use it in this NFT. And if it sells, you're going to get paid. And you don't have to do anything other than say yes. That's it. And wow. all of a sudden, you're presenting someone such as a musician who has multiple sources of income who can sell their, their art as an asset, you're presenting them with a new stream of income that doesn't require anything other than a commitment to you know the image that goes along with it. Um, and that's leverage. That's real leverage right there, okay? Because I'm basically saying, hey, look, I'm, I have a good reputation as a dancer. People like to buy my work. They'll probably buy this NFT either way, whether I use your music or not. Right. So I'm the one with the leverage. So you should have an incentive to say yes. 
because I'm providing you with income that you wouldn't have, have had otherwise. But usually it's flipped. Usually it's the other way around, right? Usually it's like, oh, this, this musician is coming to a dancer and saying, hey, you normally don't have income, but my music makes money. So come work for me and I'll give you a little bit of money. Um, but yeah, I'm the one with the leverage because I'm the one making money. That's typically what dancers have to deal with. But now we can flip the script and we can say, no, we're the ones with the leverage. So you have to listen to us. We actually provide income. We're not just some tool to use ad as advertisements anymore. We actually provide a source of income individually. So you can't walk all over us. And so wow. that's where so my passion cool. for this subject stems from. Uh, but yeah, if like that's basic. That's the basics of it. That's yeah, kind of a little synopsis like of how so, it works. So complicated and yeah. like definitely I recommend Dylan. Um I always mess up his last name, Mayoral. Is that the right way to say yeah, it? Yeah, Mayoral. Mayoral. I can't say yeah. it. But I can definitely, I'll put, he has a great NFT for like dummies video on his Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I know that you guys are really close and he's one of the people mm -hmm. that you guys have been doing this Twitter space and talking about it because it is so new and it is yeah. so, it's, it's like a new concept. So it takes a time to like really understand it and like with a new technology. And especially because it is so new for dancers to be like in having that kind of power. I think it's like it's an adjustment yeah. to even understand that so many possibilities this is one of the first ways that dancers can actually be with like the full power and be in control of their creative process and like have the possibility of making money like that is so cool like wow like we put yeah. so much into everything and it's like this is a way that you can actually yeah. create and and get what you deserve and not to mention look like I could go down the rabbit hole. I really could, but I'm not going to for the sake of time. But I do think this is a very important point um, that will attract a lot of dancers. You have complete control over your NFTs, okay? One of the most important things about blockchain and why it's not like all these other technological fads that come in and die out is because it's not centralized. Nobody owns it, okay? People own Google. People own Facebook. People own Divine, right? Okay, an actual person owned Vine and there was human decisions made or potentially mistakes that were made or levels of distrust that led to it not existing anymore, right? The blockchain isn't owned by anybody, okay? The Ethereum network in which I particularly work on NFTs with, which is a, a type of blockchain, and blockchain is just a term to refer to the overarching techno technology that allows this to happen. Um, nobody owns it, okay? There's people that develop it and assist in pushing it forward and making it better and newer and, you know, more sustainable and are working on actively fixing its environmental concerns, for one. These people don't actually have control over anything. They don't have control over my NFTs. You know, they made Ethereum, but that doesn't mean they can ever access my NFT unless I physically send it to them right? Mm. It's different with Instagram. Instagram owns every single photo that you put up on there. That's weird to think about, right? Yeah. So yeah. And for nothing, they didn't pay you. They own it all. And they're advertising it to all their, you know, clients that are such as all these advertisement companies, all these brands that are paying Instagram to sell our content with NFTs. It's not like that. You sell your content because you own it and it's never going anywhere. It's always going to be yours for the rest of eternity. Okay. Wow. The Ethereum network 
is a robot is a protocol that exists independent from humans and it is not dysfunctional in any way in the sense that it can't mess up it can't do something wrong it can't lie it can't be dishonest it only is what it is and so that provides us the safety of knowing this technology isn't going to go away yeah it might have ups and downs but it's not going to fully go away because it literally can't <laughs> like it actually oh physically cannot go away so cool like yeah. my mind it's like slowly starting to understand little bits it's like definitely takes a lot of like research and and understanding but just like seeing so many people make cool things and seeing it become more in the like everyday life is just so cool and there's so many possibilities there's there's one more very important thing which is what i was going to get to which was you get you can Uh, this is not always, but you can, you have the decision to set this up if you want. When you sell an NFT, you can create amidst this protocol for it to pay you residuals on your work every single time it gets sold in the future. Okay. So say I sold an NFT for a thousand dollars, I'd get a thousand dollars. Okay. Then say that person goes and sells it for $10,000. Okay. I can have it set up automatically for that secondary $10,000 sale to pay me 15%, aka $1,500 out of nowhere without any involvement from me, without any specific involvement from me. It's all up to that secondary seller to go and sell it. And if they do that, I'm going to get 15% whenever, wherever, at any point in time in the history of forever. So. Wow. It's That's crazy. the first time, yeah, it, it's the first time that a dancer can set up an asset that they have ownership over and actually apply a residual income to it. Obviously, this is all dependent on your ability to actually sell your piece and to actually continue growing, right? It's no different from a painter. I keep comparing it to a painter because it's a very understandable analogy, but a painter needs to actually have a good reputation and you know actually convince people to buy their painting in order for them to buy it, Okay. It's no different with NFTs. You still have to do the same. A lot of people think it's a quick cash grab, get rich quick scheme. That's not what it is. People are using it for that. Don't get me wrong. There's big, there's big rich people that are using it to try to make it go up and down to make a lot of money. But you need to get someone to actually buy your piece. And if you do, that is sustainable. That is reliable. I've managed to sell a piece in collaboration with Beyond Babel and they got money i got money the owner of the photo is a big fan of the show the lighting designers got money the costume designers got money the choreographers got money it's like that's not a lot don't get me wrong it was a small sale i mean in retrospect it was actually pretty big compared to what dancers are used to it sold for seventeen hundred dollars right a photo but you know obviously when we split that amidst all the people who are (laughs) owed something it's not that big but the point is it worked it actually Mm. worked money went back into the show that is going to help fund it in the future and that's a thousand dollars more for the beyond babel bank account to make that show continue into the future all because a fan decided they wanted to support us and he loves it and he's happy with his purchase and guess what if we grow if we blow up one day you know i don't know god forbid i become the next uh you know picasso (laughs) (laughs) like he could sell this piece for more money and also make profit off of it. And then I'd get a residual. So that's, you know, just some more inner workings of it. That is so cool. And it's, yeah, it's wow. 
my like my brain is like processing and and thinking of all the possibilities and I'm so excited to see like everything you do in this space and especially how dancers and yeah. artists yeah. can like find their voice and like find some power in in a yeah. monetary way and in like a creative control way I think it's just so fascinating yeah and we're still figuring it out don't get me wrong there's a lot of work to do this is this is the very early stages of this technology it's the even earlier stages of applying dance to it okay there's still so much work to do um and i just personally feel that i want to be a part of that work and not everybody might want to but you know i'm i can honestly and this might be a bold statement but i can pretty much say for certain that someday this is going to be a standard for us um and i'm hoping that I'm a part of creating that standard because that way I can help dancers, you know, grow their voice. And that's kind of what Earthbound is all meant to be is let's just find ways to help dancers get to the next level, find ways to help them support themselves and actually, you know, value their art um, for what it is and not in relation to a third party. Uh, and so it just so happens to be that right now NFTs are helping that happen. But Earthbound is going to apply itself to anything and everything that does that, not just NFTs. You know, we're already working on a, a real in-person live gallery installation in Chicago with a sculpture or with a sculptor that is like another, that's another branch for us, right? Like we're presenting dance in a different way. We're presenting it in a live gallery, like next to a sculpture. It's like so cool. There, the possibilities for what Earthbound can be are endless, but I definitely recommend if anybody's interested in it, go ahead, check it out at earthbound.studios on Instagram um, and, you know, read into it. There's some interesting info that I think is valuable for every dancer. The article that we wrote typically or not necessarily revolves around NFTs, but rather revolves around the dance industry and the constraints that it has. Um, and it's meant to educate dancers on why they're not getting paid what they deserve and how we can fix that. Mm, definitely. Everyone, go check that out. Let's get into our second game. A little <laughs> questions. <Yes. laughs> Let me know. So What's up? We're going to pick some random mystery questions and we'll see what we get. I wrote them <laughs> so I, I know they're not too scandalous. Great. <laughs> right. Okay. Pick a color. Ooh, they're all upside down. Ooh, blue. I'm going for blue. What is the thing you got grounded the worst for? Ooh. <laughs> Great question. Oh my god. Honestly, I can't remember exactly, but I have a vivid memory of something that I that I did that was like totally just out of pocket and my dad was not happy with me. Um <laughs> But, like, it was, like, in my dad's old car, like, I was, like, sitting in the passenger seat, like, just messing with the window, like, putting it up and down, like, and I think there was, like, something stuck in it. And, like, I probably knew that, too, but, like, I was still just messing with it, putting it up and down. And clearly it was, like, dysfunctional. Like, it was, like, it was, like, getting off its track or something, and the window was, like, glitching out. And yet, you know, my little boy self was just like, oh, this is fun. Let me play with this. And so I just kept playing with it. And eventually the window like messed up and like came out of like <laughs> the door and like wouldn't work anymore. So my dad's car was just like stuck with one of the windows, like, like skewed and like open and like oh, no. he had to like get it all replaced and fixed. And it probably cost an arm and a leg, but yeah, that was a, that was definitely a moment for little Aiden. <laughs> 
Um, let's go with orange. Ooh, if you could adopt a baby fox or a baby koala, which one would you choose? Ooh, honestly, I'm trying to think, like, which one would be easier to, like, domesticate or have love me, you yeah, know? Yeah, because I don't know. I like, mean, like, I like, both can be a little vicious, I think. Right. Like, I, okay, let's, let's forget about that. Let's say okay, they're yeah. both people, they're, we can tame both of they're them, They're, like, right? super they're, nice koalas. Yeah, they're tameable. Nice like, they'll love yeah. me. i definitely go with a fox. I love foxes. Mm, I love yeah. foxes. I don't know what it is. They're just, like, such beautiful creatures. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um... <laughs> purple who has been your biggest influence wow that's a big question <laughs> um overall definitely my dad for sure um yeah if anybody doesn't know jim gibney <laughs> he is the best and my friends can attest to it um you know just about all the values that i live my life upon um have been built via him and his family and and what they have taught me and what we've learned together as well and you know the the effect on my life is completely immeasurable so that is definitely my biggest influence nice okay last one of these you kind of already answered this but have you ever been out of the country yes i have then... not that many times though i mean i guess i kind of have but when i say not many it's because in, it's in comparison to what i want to achieve mm -hmm. i want to go as many possible you know, places as I can. But as of now, I've only been to, or I've been to, not only, because I know some people haven't been anywhere, but I've been to France, I've been to Ireland, and I've been to um, some Caribbean places. So I've been to like the Bahamas, I've been to the Dominican Republic, I've been to Mexico. Um, but country-wise, you know, it's just, that's probably it. I mean, maybe I was probably in stepped foot in Canada at some point, you know, but other than that, that's that's pretty much it. But I'm going to be heading to London soon, so I'll get to experience a little bit more. Oh, yeah. yay. I'll have to tell yes. you. I lived in London for a bit, so I'll oh, tell really? you all my favorite places. Yeah, yes. let me know, please. <laughs> Definitely. Well, the last question that I ask everyone is, what brings yeah. out your most creative self? Totally. And I thought about this, and my answer is simple but strong and important, <laughs> and that's nature. Like, it's... Simply Earth uh, is what brings out the most inspiration and influence into my life is, you know, just just Earth and the beauty that it provides and the way it's developed and how everything works, you know, at, all the way down to how the human body works and how it's evolved and why it functions the way it functions is, to me, the most fascinating thing in the whole entire world, in the whole entire universe, um, just how how we exist <laughs> like yeah and how the earth exists like the the way that it looks like the things that it does like they are it's just the most inspiring thing in the whole world and it brings me back to back to earth it brings me back to earth and <laughs> and it just uh yeah it it gives me so much inspiration and allows for me to really drive my work and i think earthbound being the name of you know my my current endeavor is very you know it suits it very well um and I think that having a connection to the planet is very underrated, uh, especially as a dancer and just understanding your body. I think that there is a relationship there that a lot of people don't uh, explore. But I think it's probably the most influential relationship that you can explore um, as a human because we have each other. But understanding, you know, this rock that we've 
been on for all of our existence and all of humanity and all the generations that came before us you know that's to me is like really the biggest thing so yeah <laughs> I love that very philosophical okay, well, but yeah yeah no but that's great okay where can people find you plug yeah. everything you have going on plug it away yeah. yeah I mean I think for the most part I'd just say please please if you have any interest in dance at all even if you're not a dancer please go ahead and check out earthbound earthbound.studios we're currently working on our website as well um, we have a medium article up, um, and we also have, you know, an NFT marketplace that we are, are, that we're a part of, and then we have pieces up for collection. I'd really say, check that out. That is kind of the epitome, um, of what I am trying to, you know, lead towards and what all of the work I've done has kind of leaded into is me really trying to find a way to help dancers in any way that I can. Um, and have other dancers help other dancers and have musicians help dancers, have dancers help musicians, just have a communal relationship between all these artists where we can grow together and definitely check out Earthbound. Otherwise, you know, you can check out my website, aidengibney.com if you want to just like watch some work, but it's basically just a portfolio, um, an outdated portfolio, to be honest. So, you know, Instagram, YouTube, the whole nine yards, but Earthbound, that's where my heart is right now. So definitely check that out. Nice. And if you would like to follow the show, uh, definitely check out Dear Dance Pod on Instagram and on Apple, Spotify, whatever podcast place. Dear Dance is there. Um, and definitely also subscribe to the YouTube channel, Essentially Haley, which you're hopefully watching this on right now. Um, <laughs> and I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers. It's been a slow road, but we're on our way. Um, and then also, if you would like to check out my dance life and my personal life, you can follow me at Haley Grove on Instagram. And the last thing I have to plug is the Patreon for this show. Um, once we get to 100 patrons, I'm going to start the Dancer's Dream Grant Program, which means I'll be donating $1 per patron every month to a dancer who has a creative project that needs help being funded. So that means if we get 100 patrons, that's $100 every month to a dancer. They can use that to hire that's a That's a studio space right there. Right? A self-tape, yeah. and that's not in your apartment for once. Yes. You could, you know, the more people Teach a that class. we get... Right? They could have, yeah. so, there's so much that you so can many do. Things. You could like yeah. pay your dancers if we have enough people. Like, what a concept. You could like yes. actually provide them some healthy snacks. There's so much. I love that. I yeah. Love that. So, hopefully, we can create a community that just like uplifts dancers and supports everyone because everyone needs a little help. <laughs> yeah. So, totally. definitely check out all of those things. We'll put them all in the show notes. But, Thank you so much for being here, Aiden. I've learned yeah, so much. I just love hearing <laughs> your brain and how your brain works and seeing everything that you're up to. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's honestly such a pleasure to be able to share my thoughts um, and having a platform to do so uh, is so, so valuable. So thank you for having me here. Um, and yeah, let's get it. Dance is great <laughs> like yeah, dance is I know you essential. I know you it's everything it really is it's so it's an essential thing so I'm so happy that you are doing you know the work to do to help people understand that you know so 
yeah, thanks for having me, for real. Thank you for listening to Dear Dance. If you enjoyed the show, it would mean so much to me if you could share it with a friend. Screenshot the episode and tag me on Instagram at Dear Dance Pod. It's so fun connecting with listeners, so definitely check us out over on Instagram. And if you want a triple platinum superstar award, leave a rating and review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This really helps give the show street cred on podcast platforms. Again, thank you so much for being here. I'll see you next week for a new episode of Dear Dance.